chapter thirteen of lady jim of curzon street this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org lady jim of curzon street by fergus hume chapter thirteen the paragraph sent by leah to her pet editor intimated concisely to the tuft-hunting world of tom dick and harriet that the suddenly developed pulmonary complaint of lord james kames necessitated his wintering in jamaica this intelligence surprised the clubs as jim's hectoring voice and devotion to damp field sport had always suggested aggressively sound lungs never knew him to be chippy in his life growled one man who admired leah as much as he hated jim for possessing her what's his game this time i wonder perhaps he wants to get away from his wife hinted a pigeon of jim's plucking bit of a tongue hasn't she tongue be hanged she has both wit and beauty the pigeon sniggered knowing the speaker's devotion to delilah oh kames appreciates those qualities in another man's wife scandal scandal murmured a meek member blessed with a spouse whose looks prevented temptation kames has dined with us many times but i never saw no you wouldn't struck in a sporting baronet whom leah snubbed on every possible occasion jim likes red-haired women then why doesn't he stick to the one he's legally entitled to because she sticks to him if she'd only syndicate her admirers in the d c jim ud be after her like an indian mosquito in search of a new arrival i'll bet there's some petticoat in this jamaica business and the sportsman looked round for some one to pander to his besetting sin but no one gave him a chance of committing it contradiction and argument arrived with the oldest inhabitant of clubland whose memory was as exasperating as his verbosity wrong all wrong he purred like the tame cat he had been for half a century kames is really consumptive i remember his grandmother dying of tuberculosis it's in the family along with gout and water on the brain oh bosh if jim was sick he'd sin more judiciously i never knew that damnation depended upon health was the retort take a case in point during the great exhibition leah's admirer cut short a much-dreaded anecdote she'll make a lovely widow i don't believe in second-hand brides myself said the horsey man venturing an epigram sides her tongue cuts like a knife even the mare's shy when she kicks wit wit explained the admirer who misread french memoirs she is madame de rambouillet without a history hm she hasn't published one yet but i dare say tut tut interrupted the ancient madame de rambouillet was and lady james is entirely respectable and the horse is the noblest of all animals snapped the baronet may be though the beast doesn't improve your morals and the laugh was with the oldest inhabitant wonder if kames will die pondered the man who saw leah as a probable widow and a possible wife lay you ten to five he won't 
you will lose you will most assuredly lose said the octogenarian very consumptive family the kames and our friend is just the sort of healthy man to depart suddenly where to asked the pigeon hush droned the meek member that's a serious question to jim finished the racing man smartly but i don't care jim dead or alive is equally useless to me oh he isn't in your debt then catch me trusting him not much but what's the use of talking obituary notices let's bridge if your play is as bad as your grammar i prefer to stand out said methuselah and the symposium broke up in time to prevent bickering between crabbed age and irreverent youth there were many such talks during the nine minutes wonder of jim's unexpected sickness and it was generally considered that he would return in spirits of wine to the family vault leah did not hear these encouraging prognostications so conducive to the entire success of the plot she was tolerating life at san remo under the hired roof of a truly great dame who wished to disentangle her from the golden nets of ultra-fast society a grass widow has to be more careful to keep up appearances than the genuine crape article even at the risk of being bored by highly placed humanity as dull as stainless lady hengist and her friends belonged to that seventh heaven where newly rich paris and the mammons who cocker them seek admittance in vain social laws differ from those of nature inasmuch as the gilded scum does not invariably rise to the top hence the creation of the over-discussed smart set which is taken by the suburban reader of backstairs journalism as representatives of the british aristocracy lord hengist came of an octoxenous family which had been at home when william the conqueror raided the ancestral cabin his wife was descended from a knight who emigrated from normandy in ten sixty six with apparently several million others judging by the claims put forward by those who enter the peerage this alliance they were too great to talk of mere marriage resulted in two children not made of ordinary clay but compounded of the superlative porcelain sort their parents possessed a genuine mediaeval castle as uncomfortable as the builders knew how to make it which had the rare distinction of possessing a state bedroom in which elizabeth had never slept the family archives read like the book of numbers and their ancestors had made history at opulent wages for the benefit of the hengist coffers the men had sided with the stuarts and ratted to the guelphs the women bloomed in lely and kneller portraits in loosely slipping clothes with pastoral accessories and finally the present head of the house with four seats two children a charming wife and a large income lived comfortably on the loot of ages of all these things lord and lady hengist were so proud that they had no need to exhibit pride well born as leah kames was the pleasant if somewhat stately and stiff life of these genuine rulers wearied her intensely 
bread and milk is insipid after a repast of ardolon in aspic and a motor flight in more exhilarating than a donkey ride moreover it annoyed her to see how sensibly the hengists spent their many pounds a day they could have had much more fun for the money had they known the right shops but they patronized out-of-date establishments where the goods were of an excellent quality but just five minutes behind the newest things of course this was leah's figurative way of saying that the hengists came out of the ark they always bought the wrong things at the wrong shops and had a middle-class eye to the lasting quality of the goods they purchased they were clothed rather than dressed and being colour-blind invariably chose garments which matched abominably with their complexions in a word the hengists were so commonplace as to be original lady jim could not understand why they should have been thrust into positions which they could not fill it was like bringing cows into the drawing-room it's so hard for me to taste the pleasures of self-denial complained hengist one day as they sauntered on the promenade i don't think it is wise to attempt the extraction of sunbeams from cucumbers said leah dryly dean swift said that but he was an egotist replied hengist in his serious way that reminded lady jim of lionel at his worst it is more blessed to give than to receive you know is it indeed who said so the wisest and most loving of mankind and it is a true saying i assure you that if i deny myself something i greatly desire and send the money which would have purchased the gratification to a charity i feel absolutely happy i don't think i ever tried that experiment you will not know true happiness till you do lady james then i must make a bid for paradise she answered privately thinking that the man talked sad nonsense it's a dreadful thing to be able to have the moon for the asking went on hengist reflectively that's your epigrammatic way of putting it i suppose but the moon won't drop from her sphere for me howl as i may you are very lucky to command the planet lord hengist so the world thinks but it forgets that there is the curse of satiety is there i never knew it existed i only wish i could cram the twelve hours of the day with twenty-four of pleasure have you ever had everything you wished for lady james no said leah promptly i'd have the sun as well as the moon and the stars thrown in if i had my way only to be bored by the acquisition of the lot me bored oh dear no i am too stupid it is only clever people like yourself who suffer from ennui i only wish i were a roman empress with provinces for a dowry those dear women knew how to live but in the majestic pages of gibbon who oh that man who came to think he was the roman empire now his work would bore me i'm not stupid enough to appreciate him julia this was lady hengist juliet and i read gibbon during the honeymoon and received much instruction 
oh lord said lady jim as though honeymoons were not disagreeable enough without that the idea made her laugh consumedly in her mind's eye she saw this new paolo and francesca reading heavy prose in ten volumes but hengist did not even smile he had absolutely no sense of humour besides he considered his companion's chatter painfully frivolous and sighed to think that she had such a light nature leah still laughing glanced sideways i shall begin to think you are discontented lord hengist i am that i cannot do the good i should like to do both julia and i wish to benefit mankind the twelve labours of hercules with no thanks for their accomplishment we don't want thanks but results said hengist austerely and we can commence in a small way next summer we intend to invite five hundred whitechapel children to the castle will you come and help us to entertain them lady james delighted yawned leah for the man spoke like a copy-book but i hope you'll wash them first it will prevent disease and give some new soap a philanthropic advertisement hengist eyed her suspiciously he was a very very dull young lord large-hearted and unintelligent who took life so seriously that he had almost forgotten how to laugh england clean england contented england happy he constantly started crusades to bring on a premature millennium and earned his reward after the manner of reformers by being abused in halfpenny newspapers as one who attempted to avert certain revolution by stuffing the starving with sweets lady jim thought him a bore and a prig and too virtuous to be amusing but that he and his wife were of use to her she would not have endured this presentation of his year before last tree of knowledge apples he never plucked fresh fruit and his eve was quite as blind as he in discerning up-to-date harvests still hengist was a sort of bellwether leading a flock of prized sheep towards a closely guarded fold leah liked the fun and money and adulation of the smart set but she had no notion of being a shut-out parry from that dull paradise that the newly rich longed for besides its very dullness gave a fillip to her enjoyment of the larky amusements of those who could not enter the sacred ark i am really very fond of children she said to do away with the effect of her last remark i wish i had some myself and she sighed very prettily hilda frith is more fortunate than i with her two dear babies both girls i fancy frith would like a son and heir i am sure he would and both jim and i would be the very first to congratulate him your husband is next in succession yes poor dear but frith is strong and healthy while darling jim oh i can't bear to talk about it this was perfectly true to invent sentimental domestic histories and bewail a husband she detested was difficult even to a woman of leah's imagination and tact but hengist thought it was very good of her to talk so generously and paid her serious compliments till she began to think that some unpardonable sin had thrown her into the society of this prosing creature it was like reading the dictionary or drinking homburg waters or paying bills the sight of a friend made her gasp with relief after the manner of a pearl-diver rising to take the air
here's lady richardson and sir billy she said with a frown for her companion's benefit so horrid to interrupt our nice conversation we can pass them replied hengist decidedly pleased oh i don't think so was leah's quick reply it would look rude and then fanny richardson never passes any one who will listen to her prattle of chiffon besides billy is a nice boy quite a little man don't you think so too much a man for his years said her companion austerely i do not like chesterfields in their teens the lad's manners are too good much too good can any child be much too good in the wrong way of over artificiality yes sir william he likes to be called sir billy so flippant his mother should insist she she never insists on anything except having the newest dye and the best-cut frock and a few dozen male ears to pour her babble into billy can do no wrong in her eyes nor in mine he is such an admirer of women and at the age of thirteen groaned hengist come now even you must have made love to some pretty pastry-cook's daughter when you were at eton there must be some of the old adam in you lord hengist i was never an entirely modern child replied the serious man evasively and with a sad eye on the trim figure of the rapidly approaching billy to think that he should take dinner pills and know the difference between sweet and dry champagne what will the next generation be boys and girls said leah flippantly good day fanny the vivacious little fairy who warmly greeted lady jim and her solemn escort was as pretty and fragile and dainty as a dresden china shepherdess and quite a credit to the mate who recreated her every morning there was nothing natural about her save her genuine admiration of billy and that arose from a knowledge that royalty had made it fashionable to exploit the nursery blonde and plump jimp and graceful dressed in perfect taste and coloured in the latest fashion she was popular even with her own discriminating sex hengist thought her a respectable doll with no particular vices and did not object to having her at the castle but he disapproved of billy the precocious which was decidedly unfair as billy could scarcely help shaping himself to the mould into which he had been slipped by a mother who required his assistance to play the pretty comedy of the widow's only son how are you leah darling so sweet you look and lord hengist too a most unexpected meeting and so delightful babbled lady richardson who talked more and said less than any society gramophone billy and i are just going to monte carlo to plunge on the red reggie lake is to meet us at the station such a nice boy lancers you know a great chum of billy's won't you come too leah to brighten billy up he's got the hump poor boy as his new nerve tonic doesn't suit him and such a lovely lovely day as it is too don't you think so lord hengist 
the respectable hengist's hair bristled at this incoherent speech and did not lie down again at the look in billy's eyes dressed in a particularly smart eton suit gloved and silk-hatted and patent leather-booted with fashionable accuracy the boy appraised lady jim's beauty in a calm way which would have made a captain of dragoons blush behind his graceful nonchalant handsome mask of youth was hidden an old old man and in many ways hengist was his junior he certainly blushed when leah gave him an amused glance but this was billy's way of mashing the sex he knew the value of youthful diffidence backed by mature knowledge should not your little boy be at school asked hengist scandalized into an implied snub sir william looked at the troubled face of his elder with the serenity of a cherub goin back next week said he carefully dropping his g's the little mother wanted me to look after her for a bit billy can't trust me out of his sight giggled lady richardson he's so afraid i'll give him a second father not reggie lake anyhow he's a rotter what's a rotter sir billy asked lady jim enjoying the disgusted looks of hengist a fellow who rots what an admirable definition billy rapidly dropped his left eyelid and showed a set of white teeth i don't carry coals for your newcastle he said parabolically say lady jim chuck this chappie and come to charlie's mount the wink and the speech were lost on hengist for he was being worried by lady richardson she danced before him a pretty figure gowned in burnt almond red and would have distracted his heart with daintiness but that julia kept that article in the nursery do join us lord hengist she pleaded seductively such fun when you know the ropes billy can show them to you out of the mouth of babes and sucklings quoted hengist ironically quite a new reading lady richardson now you are horrid said the widow who did not know in the least what he meant i'll tell your wife by the way how is she and the darling darling twins twins are too sweet i wish billy was a twin one of sir william is quite sufficient i'm sure i don't know what you are talking about and it's very horrid of you to say so billy is adored is he ever whipped lady richardson gave a scream how barbarous the man who tried to whip billy would have to order his coffin beforehand billy can handle his bunches of fives i can tell you lord hengist his what it's billy's way of putting boxing you should see him give the postman's knock oh he is clever he can drive a motor too and pick out the winner five times out of ten does he know the kings of england no he hasn't been to court yet and of course there's only one how funny you are well lady richardson put her head on one side like a coaxing cock-robin are you coming with billy and me do oh do we have afternoon tea with monsieur aksakoff and his daughter what's that asked leah overhearing the names the russian man stiff sort of fella said young eton 
nothing birdish about him daughter's a clipper though say little mother we'd best git the train won't wait you know before he had finished speaking lady jim had made up her mind she had not heard from demetrius and it was not impossible that he had written to katinka in spite of his discouraging love-making he kept in with her on the chance that she might be able to procure his pardon and in any case she was useful in keeping him posted in the doings of the third section the girl was so infatuated that she never saw he was making use of her in this way and constantly wrote to him about any official gossip she heard there was something pathetic in her devotion and heart-whole love for the man who deceived her but leah did not look at the matter in this way she knew that katinka if any one would have news of the doctor and being anxious to learn how garth was progressing towards the grave she turned to hengist i think i'll go over she said in a low voice jim asked me to see monsieur aksakoff on some business would julia mind not at all said hengist heartily and quite deceived i would escort you only i have some letters to write about the distress in london oh billy will look after us said that young gentleman's mother i have driven a team before now observed billy with dignity hengist give him a reproving look which billy bore very stoically and whispered to leah as they parted don't encourage the lad i don't think he needs much encouragement said lady jim laughing and the two women walked away with billy between them hengist stood where he was and frowned charming woman lady james he murmured gazing after leah's amethystine gown but that lad ugh he shook his head over young england up to date then returned to the villa to hear the twins say the alphabet life had its compensations even for a millionaire peer End of chapter thirteen